from then on, I started thinking, you know what? There's going to be a lot of dream killers out there. There's going to be people that are going to kick you when you're up and kick you when you're down. But a lot of times people want to pull you down to where they are. And that's the moment I said, I'm going to quit listening to everybody else and listen to me. Welcome to Find Your Yellow Tux. I'm Jesse Cole, a baseball team owner turned showman, turning my back on the status quo. This is the show for people creating their own path. It's showtime. Excited to have Michael Brooks here, the founder and creator of Self Magazine, a magazine that's won numerous awards from design, editorial, photography. And Michael, I know you've got an interesting story how you started this magazine. So, you know, I really want to start from the beginning when you went to art school and how you, you know, created this path for yourself. Well, first of all, Jesse, thanks for having me, man. I'm a huge fan of the Yellow Tuck. I have been since you came to town, so I appreciate you having me on here. But, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. When I started my career, I was in a job where I felt like I was going to work from 9 to 5, and it was a, I couldn't, couldn't wait to get off work every day. And, uh, and during the day, I would doodle on a piece of paper, and one of my coworkers said, man, why are you doing this? Why aren't you doing what you love to do? I can tell you love to draw. And what were you doing? So I was actually uh, selling furniture. So, uh, and, uh, you know, I had been taught all my life, you need to be a businessman, and you need to do this, you need to do that. My father's extremely successful, and, uh, and he's a commercial real estate developer, and he had a furniture store. And it just wasn't my time to be in that furniture store, I'll put it that way. And I was, for some reason, I was born with a little bit more of a creative gift than the rest of the family. How'd you, how'd you know that? Everything I did in uh, art school and uh, or high school, I went in art. I excelled in art, and uh, and you know, any minute of the day that I had a free time, I would sit and draw something. You know, and I would think of creative solutions to uh, to to problems that came up. But uh, yeah, and that coworker, he had uh, he had kind of got me thinking. So you know what, I packed up my stuff and I moved to a Sarasota, Florida, and it was one of the best art schools in the country. And I dove in, and I found, and I found my passion, man. And I finally found a place where I fit in, because I went to University of Georgia before that, and I felt like a fish out of water, man. And it just, I didn't fit in with anything going on at UGA. I didn't fit the mold of the fraternity brother. I didn't even try to go that route. But at this art school, man, I just really found a niche, and I and I and I didn't mind staying in the studio till 2 a.m. to make all my projects come alive, and. I did fairly well, and I, I made my best friends. I found people that I get along with. I found like-minded people. And How does someone go about finding that? Because I always say it's so important to stand out, but actually it makes sense to fit in if you're in your right thing, because that'll help you stand out. Man, it does. I tell you, and you know, the first day at, at school, we had to do a project, and we put them all on the wall. And the art teacher went by, and he, professor at that time, pulled off the ones that were horrible, and mine was one of the ones that were horrible. And I'm like, so... I was in a different league, and I and now when you first art, started, yeah, my art yeah. in Albany, Georgia, was pretty good. My art down there was not even in the same league. I asked him, I begged him, can I do it over that night? I redid the project. The next day, it came in, and it was one of the best. But it was inside me. I just wasn't pushed to do it. So you put yourself around some of the best people. Absolutely, man. If you're if you're not if you're not flying with the best, then uh, then it's in our human nature to to conform to those around us. And if you're flying with the best, man, you're gonna you're gonna fly high. So why don't why don't people do that? You know, you think about it, it's so 
it seems so obvious. You, you go spend time with the best of the best. But why aren't people doing that? You know, I think people are intimidated. And I, and I hear that a lot, even in the office. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty easy guy to get along with, and, and I'm pretty laid back. But I'll hear people, after I get to know them for uh, six months, man, I was really intimidated. And it's like there, there shouldn't be an intimidation factor. And I think by human nature, people want to be comfortable, too. Mm -hmm. And you, you know as well as I, you got to get out of your comfort zone if you're going to succeed. Mm -hmm. And you got to make yourself uncomfortable. One of the hardest things in my life was getting in front of people and speaking. And it's still tough, man. <laughs> Name anybody that's uh, comfortable with it beside you, Jesse. <laughs> yeah. I still get nervous. Yeah, but it's, and that's hard to believe. Yeah. You do such a good job at it. But I tell you, and that's something I had to force myself to do. And, uh, and I, before I would speak to people... I would sweat profusely. I would get into an anxiety attack almost, but I forced myself to do it. Whereas, and, I, and the thing about it is I'd make an appointment to do it, something I didn't like to do. Wow. And, and that's what, and you know what? I think it helped me in my other areas too. It helped me push the boundaries of the magazine industry and mm -hmm. do stuff that other people weren't doing. Yeah, so I want, I want to get into that. So you went, you went to art school. You got out of your comfort zone, but you found your place that you wanted to be. And then where'd you go from there? And how'd you get into this great magazine? So yeah, and, and so after the art school, I wanted to go to California. I wanted to work for the uh, picture industry. I wanted to do movie posters. Okay. So when I got out there, it was in the uh, early 90s, and there was a recession going on. The very first interview I went on was the Mednick group. I'll never forget it. It was, he was the guy handling all the cool Nike stuff. When okay. Nike came out and was just ultra cool, he was the guy doing it. The Scott just do Mednick. it? Yeah. Yeah, he, he invented all that stuff. And he said, man, I'm glad you came out for the interview. He goes, you know, we're not really even giving interviews, but your envelope stuck out. You know, and so my envelope, you know, back then we didn't send PDF resumes. We sent actual hard copy resumes. Okay. So instead of a white envelope, I'd always send out a black envelope with silver writing on it. So he said, your envelope stuck out. Your promo piece, I would always do a, a custom promo piece to get my foot in the door. It stuck out. So I wanted to invite you in to look uh, at our operation. But I've got 800 portfolios competing for one junior-level position. Wow. I've got senior-level designers taking entry-level pay right now. So your chances of getting in are really slim to none, and they turned out to be none. So I went all the way out to California to work for a company called Wiener Schnitzel, <laughs> a fast food hot dog company, and I was like, my dreams were destroyed. Because you thought you had the chance at working with this Nike brand. Oh, yeah, I was completely confident that I was going to go out there and change the world. <laughs> Wasn't everybody going to Los Angeles, though. But, but what did you, you learn from that rejection? Man, I just, you know what I did? I made the best out of what I had, and... I ended up with a small design firm down in San Diego, and one of the premier trade magazines in the design industry is called HOW Magazine, H-O-W Magazine. They came to town, they had a conference, and I entered the 24-hour design challenge. And my team that I pulled together, we were all fighting, man. We were four designers fighting for the, we want to do this, we want to do that, and finally I was like, y'all do that, I'm going to go on my own and do this mark. And I never forget, man, we were going in to enter the entered the logos for the 24-hour design challenge. And one of the guys looked at me and said, man, why don't you just put your name on ours? Are you going to turn that in? And I was like, and for a split second, I doubted myself. And I almost put it down. And I said, no, I'm just going to roll with it. And it won first place in the design challenge. And from then on, I started thinking, you know what? There's going to be a lot of dream killers out there. There's going to be people that are going to kick you 
when you're up and kick you when you're down. But a lot of times people want to pull you down to where they are. And that's the moment I said, I'm going to quit listening to everybody else and listen to me. And uh, that was that was my biggest learning moment in California. So, and how did you start putting that into play? So what happened? So I just started. I said, you know what? Am I happy with the job I'm doing right now? I said, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> so I came back to the East Coast. Mm-hmm. I did my time out in California. And I had, hey, don't get me wrong. I had a great time in California. <laughs> Early 20s out on the beaches and, and just having a great time. But it still wasn't for you. Uh, uh, no, I still didn't find where I, where I needed to be. And, I, and what brought me back to the East Coast was family. Mm-hmm. And and I have a, a good family, and I wanted to be close to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went to Albany, Georgia, where, where we're from. And it's a small city. And you know what? I, I'm, of course I couldn't find a, a position in <laughs> Albany that suited my needs, so I just created my own company. And, and, uh, and how did that start? So I went and talked to my brother, who has his own company. Yeah. And uh, What was your brother doing? He's he owns a furniture store. Okay, okay. Uh, he thing. bought the furniture store from my father, who created it from scratch. So you wanted to just get some business expertise and yeah, it's just we're talking to him as a brother, and he goes, you know, you need to get married. And I said, well, that ain't gonna happen anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, uh, and I said, well, I'm thinking about doing my own thing. And he goes, well, do this. Don't go back into something you don't like doing. And I said, well, I learned my lesson on that. And so I launched my own magazine. I said, I'm just gonna learn from the school of hard knocks and. Uh, because I'd never worked for a magazine, but that's the closest thing to the entertainment business I could find in a small city town. And you wanted to be in the entertainment industry, so that's why you said, if if the only thing I can do in a small town is create a magazine, I'm going to do that. Absolutely. And you know what? What'd you do? How'd you start? I'm a guy like you. I said, (laughs) I need to go into print where I can be behind the scenes, but show people off like Jesse Cole and show people off like Arthur Blank, mm-hmm. people that are doing great things. The same thing you're doing mm-hmm. with this podcast mm-hmm. is what I want to do with the magazine. So I cut my teeth on the magazine in Albany and eventually ended up, a guy came in my office one day and said, look, he put a sticky note on my desk and said, I'll give you this for the magazine. And he wanted to buy my magazine. And I said, you know, I was still pretty young back then. So I said, heck yeah, man, that's how, a lot of money. How long was it? Now, let's start from, you started the magazine. How, how long till this offer happened? Five years. So five years. Five years. So you built it into a successful magazine. Yeah, as successful as I thought it could be in Albany, Georgia. What made, what made this magazine successful and special? You know, I did the same things I was doing wherever I went. I tried to, uh, to find something cool and make it extraordinary. And, and uh, the, the response from the community was awesome. But I also did what I'm doing right now, and I, and I coupled my releases with parties. And it's a celebration. It's six times a year you can celebrate something, and people need that, man. They need to get out of their office where they dream of 5 p.m. rolling around or they dream of their lunch break, and that's the biggest excitement they have all day. So we started doing these release parties and after-work parties and, and come and enjoy some networking and, and walk into a location where you have a smile on your face and you're celebrating something. You know you got to have something to celebrate. I love that. So I mean, most magazines, most newspapers, they just release it and hope for the best, and you're actually bringing people together instead of just reading it by themselves. Yeah, absolutely. How did you come yes. up with that? Well, you know what? I always uh, I tell my folks at work, I said, you know what? The magazine industry to us, because we're six times a year, is like giving birth six times a year. And, you know, when you give birth, you put your balloons on the mailbox and you send out announcements and, and you show everybody on Facebook and everybody the pictures of your new baby. And that's what we do with the South Magazine. That's my baby, man. 
So that's great. I, you know, I think you should always make everything an event if you can. And yeah, if absolutely. you make it special, everyone likes to have fun. Yet most people don't do that. They just do the same thing of releasing out the magazine. So that started building kind of a community around your magazine. Yeah, and that's, you know, I think every great brand needs a community around it. And that's what I think everybody's getting right now. You go on and, and you see Pirelli did a very cool job of this years ago. They started doing these mini films. Pirelli, the wheel, the okay. tire, excuse me. Uh, okay. Uh, so they started doing these little mini uh, films. And the first one I saw was with Uma Thurman. And Uma Thurman, they produced this really beautiful film. You can see it on YouTube, uh, just Uma Thurman uh, Pirelli. Okay. And, uh, and, and it's this high-quality film about her racing through the streets of Los Angeles, and, and every once in a while it would cut to the tire. But it wasn't somebody on there going, man, you need to buy Pirelli because it's yeah. the greatest thing. It was actually Uma Thurman, and so it created they a got story, it right? Yeah, they got it right. And they built a brand, and they built a community around their brand. And now Pirelli's a cool tire. You running Pirelli's on your car? That's pretty cool. It was so similar to to the Yeti brand. I mean, the Yeti released yeah, so yeah. many videos about these lifestyle and people what they were doing, and it. uh, it's amazing. So you, and they create this community that just love what they do, and then oh, we just happen to sell this as well. Yeah, yeah, the five hundred dollar coolers. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. So so you created this with the magazine in, in, in Albany, Georgia, and so it was a community. So obviously you got a great offer, and then what brought you to South, and how did you keep doing what you were doing in Albany, but made it even bigger? Well, I was so ignorant back then that I thought that money was going to last a lot longer. <laughs> One too many trips to Vegas and some um, and just some downtime, I felt like well, I was itching to get back anyway. So I went over, I, I went through a time in my life where I had to do a, a restart and personal things happened and I really I was left with uh, two things I was left with my dog and my cell phone and I threw my cell phone out I got a brand new phone number and I went to St. Simon and I found a place over there to rent and it was me and my dog and we went running on the beach every day and I and I and I had to do a restart and I burned myself completely out on my first book I was working around the clock I was working 100 hour weeks and uh and it, and it taught me that you have to have balance in whatever you do. And as, and as passionate as we are about our work, it would be easy for us to spend every waking hour in work. Mm -hmm. But you can't do that. I mean, it's just like a car. You can't race a car around the track without putting it in the garage every once in a while, right? Mm -hmm. yep. but, um, but anyway, for, so I got a call while I was in St. Simon. Somebody needed some help in Savannah on a project. And I came over here to help, and, uh, and I fell in love with the city. And I, and I told my wife, I said, hey, this is where we should launch South Magazine. And I was going to go to uh, Atlanta mm -hmm. or Jacksonville. And, uh, and I just wanted to be in the South. I wanted to be in a big city in the South. Mm -hmm. And neither one of those cities just screamed out. But when we hit Savannah, man, it was like, wow. This is our home. It was like, kind of like going to art school. I finally yeah. found the home for South Magazine. You know? Tell me about the launch and how people, you know, took to the magazine when you first came out with it. Well, it was pretty, it was like, you know, Jesse, it was like it needed to happen and everything was falling into place. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jacob Cottingham, I, I called him. He was a writer that I found. And I said, Jacob, I, I want to start this magazine here. And uh, why don't you come and be our editor? So... We started, me and Jacob started it by ourselves, and uh, so Jacob was responsible for all the writing, and uh, I said, you know what, I'm gonna, this time I'm not going to go out and sell the advertising. I'm going to get somebody to do that. So I got a sales girl. And, and, why, and why did you do that? 
I wanted to stay in and be the creative. I wanted to do what I went to school for and just do that. And because you probably enjoyed it the most. And I enjoyed it the most, yeah. But, but so here we put this thing together. In November of 05, I rented an office. In January of 06, we launched the magazine. Now, the first issue I launched, I didn't charge anybody for one ad. I okay. went to every. I didn't know a soul in Savannah. So it was. It would have been hard for me to go in and say, hey, I got this magazine in my head and I want you to pay 2000 bucks for an ad. That wasn't going to happen. So I went to everybody that I thought would be a good fit for the magazine. And I said, hey, I want to give you an ad. And you, so imagine the looks. Yeah, yeah. wow. So, and they didn't expect a good, high-quality magazine either. So when we came out with it, I, I rented Savannah Station. Uh, to this day is a place where we throw all of our parties. And, um, and we rented Savannah Station, invited about five, 600 folks, and we launched the magazine. And after that, man, it just started to fall into place. But uh, I'll never forget the girl that we had for sales came in and she said, hey, it was a good idea, but it's just not selling. And I'm like, what? So I went out there. She, she was gone after a couple of weeks after the launch, she yeah. was gone. And I went out there and it just was selling like hotcakes. And the city was ready for something new and exciting. This city is really cool and they're very open to things like what you're doing. Yeah. Anything unusual and creative and eccentric is what this city loves. Yeah. And uh, that's what we were trying to be. Well, I love, I love what you did in the beginning because you wanted to create value and show your value without asking for in return. And I think everyone talks about this. Gary Vaynerchuk talks about jab, jab, right hook, and give, 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 then ask. Yes. And what you were going to, give this all away. Show off how great you can be. Create that value. And then all of a sudden, people want it because you gave that great value. Is that pretty much how it happened? That, that's exactly how it happened. It, I mean, and, and, there, and looking back, if we would have went the other way, it would have been a painful process to build the magazine. But in our second issue, we pretty much got back everything from the first issue, what we gave away. And did you, are any other magazines, were they doing anything like that? That just came to you as saying, hey, let's just try this out. You know, it wasn't anything that I saw anybody else doing. It just was like the, the logical thing to do yeah. right then. Absolutely know? amazing. So South Magazine obviously gained a lot of traction. It grew tremendously. What to you made it so special? Obviously, these launch parties were huge, but what made the magazine really resonate with the audience so well? We went out and found great stories in the community that people wanted to hear. We weren't trying to be pretentious and do something that, uh, that, that was over our heads. We were a down-home cool man. But what we did is we took the, the guy that was doing something cool and we tried to illustrate it in a way that would be jaw-dropping. For instance, we took real estate developer Michael Brown. Okay. And Michael Brown was is very controversial. You got people that love him and people that hate him. And I heard a lot of hate stories. There was a there was a website devoted to uh, Michael Brown of all the hate stories. Oh, right? So this this developer, he's just out there, you know, doing what he does. And so we put him on the roof of a downtown building, fighting off five guys like it was an action-packed movie movie film. And, uh, and he, he was down with this. He was down with it. He went along with it. And, it's, and it was things like that that when we illustrated it, we tried to exaggerate it, you know? So he's getting hit left and right from all these uh, 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 websites yeah. and, and critics. And so we illustrated that in a way that would get some attention, you know? And did that story take off? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it did. I think that uh, a lot of the stories that take off, we get a lot of feedback on the stories. And, yeah. And uh, and that one we got a lot of great feedback on. And what stories have taken off the most? Like, what have you noticed? What stories people just absolutely love that creates the most attention? You know, the, the controversial stories are always going to be the ones that catch the attention. Yeah. We did a cover last year when the Confederate flag issue was going on. We, were, we did a professional issue, and at the last minute, we decided to have the uh, model wear a Confederate flag tie with her suit. Well, we had an army wife that was wearing a suit jacket and a suit shirt and a Confederate flag, right? So here's why we illustrated it like that. South Magazine... For us not to address the Confederate flag issue would have been remiss. It would have been, for us as South Magazine, it would have been a noticeable, why didn't you address this? So we had an article in there addressing it. And the article was a, was a pretty good article about a very, a very uh, a non-objective article about what was going on with the flag. And instead of putting it in type on the front cover, I love to illustrate. And so in that I had the business issue. I had an army wife's feature story in that, and I had a Confederate flag story in that issue. Wow. So I just illustrated with one model. Well, we got blown up. <laughs> I thought my office was going to get blown up. But our, uh, what, why? What happened? Man, it was uh, a lot of hate. Yeah. A lot of hate. And without looking in the magazine to see what the story was about, we were being judged by folks that never saw the magazine. They saw the image of the front cover. Okay. We lost uh, sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was something we put ourselves out there, but it, but. You what, know, would, you, would you do it again or no? Absolutely, I would do it again in a skinny second because I did what I believed in doing. And, and if I did something that I immediately said, man, you know what, that was probably a stupid move on my part. Mm-hmm which I've done plenty of, and I'll be the first to admit it most of the time. I have to be reminded some of the time. But a guy down in Miami who I I respect a lot, his name is Cable Newhouse. He's in the magazine industry. He's one of the editors of Folio Magazine, which is the trade magazine for magazines. And uh, he's an authority on magazines. He wrote a long piece on my Facebook where we were getting beat up. It was a mile long. And he wrote in defending the magazine and why it was done that way from a magazine professional's point of view. Interesting. Which, man... Meant the world to you, probably. Oh, my God. I melted when I I read it, and it didn't mean a lot to anybody else. But to you. So it meant a lot to me because it it reinforced what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes our peers that we respect, to get reinforcement by that is something that we need. I'm mm-hmm. sure you've done things mm-hmm. that you were questioning out here at the ballpark. Every day. <laughs> Every day, yeah. <laughs> when we give away porta johns and colon cleansings and we do all that <laughs> stuff. We get it all the time, believe me. Uh, but the question is, so you, you take that stance and you go out there and you put yourself out there. And, you know, I think it's important to embrace criticism, to be able to take it in, because it actually means that they're talking about you, you're creating something that people care about, they're passionate about. But how did you define what South Magazine stood for and they stand for. Because I think you build this magazine, you have an idea, but it has to evolve through time. How do you know what you want to be and what is yeah. South, what does South Magazine stand for? You know, we're not on a big political platform. We're not, you know, we're all about featuring the coolest things to do in this region. I, I deliver magazines to 6,000 hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to get the person that's coming to this region that's looking for the coolest things to do, 
the greatest places to eat at, and all the coolest people to meet in this town. We call it Eat, Meet, Stay, Play, and Shop. And if I can deliver all that and, and do it in an entertaining way, then, then we've done our job. And fortunately, things are just falling into place. When you go out there and you meet enough people, I'll talk like you, for instance, when we first met. Mm-hmm. We knew you would be eventually be a cool, cool cover, right? <laughs> eventually. So, <laughs> and, uh, and, and maybe we didn't do it soon enough, but I tell you, it's been one of the best yeah. covers we've done. We've got a lot of great feedback on it, and it was exciting. And it was that, and if I would have put you on the front cover in a baseball uniform, it would have flunked. Mm-hmm. What made it successful was you and your yellow tux. And that is a branding that's branding genius, <laughs> what you've done with your tux. Cause, but most people aren't willing to wear the yellow tux. No, it gets hot in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it, what's great is but I think you guys have, you celebrate everything. And, you know, from your parties, you celebrate people. You celebrate cool things. And when you're a brand of that, so much positivity, how can people not want to be around you? And I think that's so, I mean, did you know that in the beginning or did it just kind of evolve? Because everything you cover is just exciting. Yeah, it's, I mean, again, Jesse, I don't even even know how to answer that. We do, you know, I want to just put together a cool magazine. Yeah. You know, when I was uh, small, I started looking at newsprint and magazines, and I was, like, fascinated that the ink could go on the paper and create an image. And I was beating my head against the wall to figure out how in the world could ink go on a piece of paper and create an image. Mm -hmm. And I was even more flabbergasted when I found out it was only four colors that created every single color on, in a magazine. Wow. So from the technical side of things, I was really, uh, I was really curious. But then I started getting into the art side of it and the ability to tell a story with images. Yeah, man, that just really turns me on. Yeah, you know? it's uh, it's like if I can if I can convey a feeling with an image, mm-hmm. just like that Confederate flag thing. Yeah, it created a lot of feelings. Yes. Know? But, you know, it, it stirred the pot a little bit, but it also made people pick up the book and, and read the magazine. Yeah. And I'm not trying to put a false cover out there. I'm just trying to display what's in the magazine by one cool image. But I don't know, man. It's just this is an easy city to talk about, to write about, to photograph. Because there's so many cool things going yeah. on in here, you know? And you'll be able to showcase that, so it works out well. And in design, I mean, I think you've talked about it a little bit, but design has become such a huge part of, of your business from a magazine. But I don't think a lot of other businesses think about how they design things, about how they actually put out, you know, their brand and their product. I mean, you put so much emphasis. Your magazine looks like a million-dollar magazine. It looks like something from New York City, the top of the line, because you put so much effort into design. Uh, I'm just, I, why do you guys see it? Why can't other people see that? Uh, you know, it's a tough question to ask, but I'm just, it seems so obvious. Man, well, first of all, thank you for the compliment. But it's, uh, and that is the ultimate compliment, yeah. what you just paid me. I'm, I'm flabbergasted too at why, you know, they'll go and they'll put $2 million into a building. They'll put, they'll invest another million dollars into the infrastructure and they'll pay $100 for their logo. <laughs> or let their uh, cousin, uh, Jed, who, who went to uh, uh, high school art, design it for them. Yeah. And what they don't know is that's one of the most important things. Your image, the first impression you do is going to be a lasting impression. So if I'm at a networking event, somebody hands me a flimsy card with some half-baked logo on it, I'm not going to really take that company very serious. 100%. You know, Coca-Cola said it better than anybody. They invest billions of year into marketing 
for one reason, and that's to not be forgotten. Yeah. And I have companies every day, and, and, and smaller companies, and God bless them, because they're doing what, what is keeping this country alive. But, but they'll say, you know, we've, we've advertised for a few issues, and I feel like we got what we needed out of it. Thank you very much. <laughs> and it's like anything else, man. When you, It's like investing into mm -hmm. your retirement fund. Mm -hmm. You don't invest a month and say, I got it. Yeah. You don't go to the gym for a week and say, I'm in shape. Mm -hmm. You know, Everything you do that's worth doing, you invest in it and you do it consistently. You know, the stuff that we do that's bad for us are the one-time offs, you know? Yeah. I go rob a bank one time, I'm gonna get a bad result, yes. right? But if I keep consistently building my marketing around my company, and I feed it, you gotta feed it, and my brother does a great job in, in, in Albany with his furniture store. He puts aside X amount of dollars, and it's a percentage of his gross of what he can do every month as far as advertising. Mm -hmm. And whether he thinks he needs it or not, he does it because it's got to be done. Because he believes in putting the brand out there constantly. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. He's, and he's hands down the mm -hmm. most successful. And my dad started that story, and mm -hmm. he started it from ground zero. He was just a salesman at a furniture store first, and he went on to launch his own uh, furniture store, and then he launched a commercial real estate business extremely successful and uh, and my brother and, and they work extremely hard at what they do but they know that they got to feed certain yeah. parts of it or it'll die yeah and the same thing goes with us yeah. man. we got to feed that that you gotta keep on it. but it's not that easy I mean it sounds like you know all right you know I'll just put my brand out there in a great way you got to find great people to do what you yeah. do I mean you know for us we found an amazing videographer you know Ben yeah. Sheffield who puts it out and he's amazing yeah. but if we didn't have that we couldn't put the same video product out and for you if you don't have amazing photographers it's tough to get that out. So how do you how do you find that, and what photographers have stood out for you? And we've we've been blessed by having absolutely the best photographers since day one. Man, what uh, struck me is when I first came to this city, I found some cool photographers that were going to the art school, mm -hmm. SCAD. Yeah. And we had them join us in the beginning, and then after that, we started uh, photographers started coming to the magazine, mm -hmm. saying, "Hey, I see that you're willing to illustrate our skills." And we want to we want to be with you. So we've had self-taught. Some of mm -hmm. my best photographers were self-taught. Yeah. And uh, you know Blake Crosby is one of our go-to guys here in Savannah. Now we've got Cedric Smith, who's a fantastic artist and a photographer. Um, man, I could name. About what, what do they do that? What do they do that's so special? Like there's there's thousands of photographers. What makes the ones that you work with great? They all have pride in their work. They all have passion. They'll stay up till 3 a.m. if they have to to make their image pop and look great. I mean, uh, John Alexander started off as a scenes photographer with a with a uh, camera, entry-level camera, just shooting people, smile and say cheese. And he'll have a cover this month for South Magazine. And he started three years ago. I remember meeting with him and saying, hey, with your level of photography, you can do our scenes. And the, yeah. and that's, the scenes are a great part of the magazine, but it just doesn't take a ton of yeah. skill. But then he has been very passionate about building his portfolio. And What, have, what, what have you seen? Has it just been a lot more work, effort? I mean, what have you... Work, effort, and then he'll go on and teach himself ways to make his photography better. So, and that's what we all have to do in business. We, if we get stagnant where we're at and say, you know what, my business plan today is gonna to carry me through my retirement, then we're, we're mistaken. Mm -hmm. We have to constantly reinvent ourselves. And, um, and how are you doing that for yourself? And with the magazine business, we rebrand. We, what we'll do is we'll take our, our look and we'll <laughs> tweak it as mm -hmm. we go. If you look at the very first South Magazine to this one, 
it is a huge difference, and we would have never done it overnight. But you tweak it as you go. You can look at Esquire magazine, which is the most successful men's magazine, mm-hmm. uh, men's health. You can look at their logos and their masthead over time, and you can see the where they've changed. But they don't do a drastic change. Yeah. You know, if your brand is successful. Now, if you have a brand that's flopping, you do a drastic change. Mm-hmm. But if you've got one that's succeeded, and just like, hey, Hugh Hefner, uh, God rest his soul. Uh, yeah. He switched his whole format, said no more nudes in the magazines, you know? And then he learned fast. He was like, okay, that didn't work. <laughs> so, uh, you know, before he passed away, he had, he had reinstituted nudes back yeah. in the magazine. Interesting, you know? interesting. Yeah. What have you found that's, that's holding you back today from being successful? Man, I'll be honest with you. I'm a, I'm a right-headed kind of guy, right-brain guy. And the business side of the whole thing is the, is the one thing that's really challenging to me. And I have to force myself to do that part of it. What, what, what part exactly? Well, first of all, the HR is so important to a company. Mm-hmm. And when I first started South Magazine, I could have cared less about the culture, the HR. I said, look, everybody's having just as much fun as I'm having, right? I thought, yep. right? So I'm running up and down the halls like a madman and not taking the time to really reinforce my culture like it, it needs you got to feed your culture like you do your marketing, mm-hmm. your whatever we had just talked about. Well, you got to feed it, man. And I didn't take the time to do that, and it came back to bite us. What did you do to feed your culture? To feed our culture now, what we're doing right now is we are basically having to, in the last year, start from scratch almost and, and with our team. And it's a result of me not feeding my culture properly. And I appreciate my team more than they'll ever know, but I just was not voicing it. And maybe not showing it. Not showing it. And and that's the biggest mistake you can make. And, and man, I would go and brag on my team to everybody else, but I wouldn't brag to them about themselves. Yeah. And it was, when I was growing up, that's my, my dad did the same to mm-hmm. me, man. I was constantly trying to get his attention mm-hmm. and, and show him that I was I was worthy of his praise. And what I found out later is he was bragging on me to everybody else, but not to me. And, you know, it taught me that, hey, it's in my genetics, I guess, so it's something I have to fight. It's me going back on stage again and sweating it out and and having to fight that part of it. But I I think I've learned what I need to now about changing my culture. Now I've got to educate myself on having the best culture that I can for my magazine. Well, the next episode, we're having Arnie Malham on, who wrote the book Worth Doing Wrong, and it's about creating a culture that rocks. And he's built one of the best cultures ever in Nashville, Tennessee. So a great segue here. But I think for every business owner, you want to build this great culture, but you can read and learn as much about it, but you all have to learn it. It takes time. Everybody's different. So, you know, it's a real, it's a long journey. So it sounds like you're you're almost just starting that journey because you're realizing how important it is now. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we have to start over. Even at 11 years, we're celebrating in January. We're going to start over again. Wow. Where do you see South Magazine going? You know, I've always dreamed about South being in in other regions. Um, We almost pulled the trigger about a a year ago and launching a South Magazine in Birmingham, but but we pulled back, and sometimes when we try to expand out, it'll kill the mothership, you know? So what I said is, look, I'm not going to expand out until my systems and my structure here in Savannah are absolutely strong where it can run without me. And mm-hmm. right now it's not running without me. So, uh, <laughs> and most businesses have that trouble. It's owner dependent. It's yeah. founder dependent. So that's where you're trying to invest now is your time into building the team. Absolutely. Outstanding. That'd be yeah. fun. All right. It's time for the final four. All right. The final four right. questions here. 
What's one thing you have done differently in your life that's made you successful? Uh, go against the grain. Uh, when, when others tell me not to do something um, and I believe in it, I go against the grain and I, and I follow it to the end. Sometimes to a fault. <laughs> Has there been one thing that comes to your mind right now with this? I mean, you know the story I told you yeah. about the, uh, the the contest. Yeah. I had hundreds of people tell me South Magazine would never make it here in Savannah because we already have a magazine. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you got a couple of hotels. <laughs> you got a couple of restaurants too, right? You can have another magazine. Yeah, we'll just be different. Be different. Yeah. Love it, love it. What do you think makes someone stand out in business and in life? Man, I love I can, I love when people come in and they uh, they they follow through with what they say they're going to do, and they're passionate about their dreams. and And you don't meet many people like that right now. I'll be honest with you; it's far and few between that you see a go getter walk through the doors. But I love when somebody delivers a resume instead of sends me one. I love when when people show up in person. And, uh, and that's the beginning of it all. But there's nothing more exciting to me than somebody that has a passion and they come in and they demonstrate it and they do something uh, uh, worthy of big things. And it's, love I, it. I tell you, I love seeing other people succeed. Great. What's some of the best advice you've ever received? Man, I tell you, the best advice I received was from my father when he said, look, quit thinking so much about things, dive in and figure out how to get out of it. And basically, hey, dive into the deep end, right? This magazine, I dove straight into the deep end. And in year two, I was debt-free. But I took out a big loan. I, made a, I rolled the big dice. And, uh, and I worked my butt off to make sure I succeeded in it. But, uh, but dive in and, and figure it out. Outstanding. How do you want to be remembered? Um, I hopefully, I'd, I'd want to be remembered as somebody that was hardworking, that was honest, that my my friends and my peers could depend on, and and that's the biggest compliment to me is if somebody thinks enough of me, to where they can depend on me, and and that's to me is a great compliment. Love it, love it. All right, quick extra innings, some wild questions. You never know what's me throwing at you here. All right, if you could be on the cover of one magazine, what would it be? That, that's the easiest thing in the world, man. Men's health, but I don't have the body for it. <laughs> you can actually do that, but you haven't done that. Oh, that's funny. All right. What would be the headline of your story? The headline of my story. Um, how this knucklehead made it and fooled everybody. I don't know. I, I, sometimes I, I, I say, you know what? I don't, I don't understand how I was even successful in the first place, but I don't know, man. It's... Yeah. Uh, that's a funny question. That's right? good. All right, the best vacation you've ever been on? Um, wow, that's a tough one, man, because I don't go on a lot of vacations, believe it or not. It's um, The best vacation I probably was on was uh, a Tijuana trip, a weekend Tijuana trip. <laughs> I lived in California. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> Enough said about that one. <laughs> All right, if you could go to one concert right now, what concert would you want to go to? I'm a big fan of Social Distortion. And okay. It's a, uh, man, they're a, they're a pretty hardcore band, but I'm a big fan of Social Distortion. Awesome. And final, one moment you'll never forget in your life, one moment that stands out for you. Man, gosh, Jesse, that, you had to end with the toughest question, didn't you? Well, the first uh, moment that comes to your mind. The, uh, the first moment that comes to my mind is uh, we were was when I saw my father. I was drag racing, and my father had bought me a car, and I was still in high school. And this was back to where uh, I didn't know he was 
he wouldn't show me how proud of him. And, and I won a big race, and I looked in the rearview mirror, and he was jumping up and down. And <laughs> that, to me, was my the moment that really stands out. Oh, that's outstanding. Michael, it was a pleasure having you on the Finding Y'all Tucks podcast. Thanks for everything. Thanks hey, for everything thank you, you do. Jesse. You're awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks for tuning in to the Find Your Yellow Tux podcast. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. It would mean the world to me. Next week, we have the one and only Arnie Malham, the author of Worth Doing Wrong and the founder of the Better Book Club. He is a rock star and talks about creating a rock star culture in his office. You're going to love it. So tune in next week. Until then, stop standing still, start standing out.